Mark Drake is on a mission to train leaders around the world about the miracle and mystery of Christ living his life in and through all who will believe. Join us on this journey into the heart of the real new covenant and the transforming power of true grace. Good morning, everybody. We indeed are going to cover a lot of ground and uh, a lot of very, very important ground it, it is what we're going to cover. Last week, we started this particular uh, two-piece inside a bigger uh, set on the Psalms because we, uh, in going through the Psalms, obviously we're reading in the Old Testament. And we are faced with the reality that the New Testament must be read differently than the Old Testament and vice versa. We cannot go or we should not go to the Old Testament and read it in the same way that we would read the New Testament. We talked about that a whole lot last week, and I gave you dozens and dozens and dozens of scriptures, uh, which even now is being put together in a tiny package that we can send out to you. If you're not getting the stayed connected emails, then it's because we don't have your address on the list. Make sure to fill out a card in the back or get it to one of the team members so that you can be getting the stuff that we're sending out uh, not just the notes, but I send out uh, blog articles and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, last week, we ended with my reading off about 30 things in the Old Testament. And I made the claim that every one of those things were real to those people back then. But to us, they are shadows, not that we would do them, but we would see how Israel or whomever did God's commands in those things. And then we would look to Christ to see how the substance of that, the reality of that, fills up our lives and works out in our lives. The only way that can happen is for us to see the difference between the shadows in the Old Testament and then the fulfillment of the New Again, we don't have time to go through all that list, but once we get the principles clear in our minds, we will find that the New Testament writers constantly referred to the Old Testament and they referred to people, places, battles, things in, uh, in the Old Testament. The New Testament writers referred to those, but then they saw it through New Covenant eyes so they were able to apply it in a new covenant way. So let's go to this is our title again for today. Reading the old covenant through new covenant eyes. Number two. And uh, last week, uh, as, as I do almost every week, I, I get a, a chance to bump into to Pastor Dick Benjamin here in the back. But although I don't want to bump him too hard because he'll fall over. So I don't want to do that. But I bumped into him again this past week. And and uh, of course, when Dick when Dick thinks that we shared a good message, that makes us all feel a whole lot better. And uh, so Dick had two things to say. First, if I remember correctly, he said, "Man, that was that was just solid, great teaching to help people understand the Old Testament." And then the second thing he said was, "I'm just praying for our folks that they will develop the habit a little bit more of saying Amen when somebody tells the truth." So anyway, Dick, you keep praying, interceding for all of us, 
And I will appreciate it very, very, very much. All right. Now, look at this. This is everything that we want to accomplish last week and this week is summed up right here. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by the Son. Throughout the Old Testament, God sent his word directly through selected men and women, and God's word came through them to God's people. But with the resurrection and the ascension back to the throne and the sending of the Spirit by Jesus, the Son of God, from that time in history on, it is the Son that we must listen to. It is the Son who is speaking to us. In the letters of the New Testament, the Bible says that those men who wrote those things were inspired, breathed upon by God, and God's very breath came out in words to communicate, and now we have it as our Bible, especially when we talk about the New Testament. God speaks to us through His Son. All of the prophets in the Old Testament were true, they were real, really happened, and they all were shadows of the chief prophet who would come as a newborn babe, but he would raise again and go to the Father as the King of kings, Lord of lords, prophets of prophets, teachers of teachers. He is the epitome of all of this good uh, stuff that God has given us in the new covenant. Now, I'm going to just give you an idea, Just and we're going to do this really fast, but I think you need to see this. Let's go to this uh, Hebrews passage. If we, what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to read the whole book of Hebrews together, and uh, well, sometime within the next couple of years we'll do that. But today we're not going to do that. But here's what I want you to notice: all the words that you see in yellow are direct quotes from the Old Testament. Most of them are word-for-word, direct quotes from the Old Testament. But this book begins with, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. Now I added this. Because of this fact that he's spoken to us by his Son, we must learn to read the Old Testament and let the Son speak to us about how it is all fulfilled in him. For those who have been going through the foundations workbook uh, with someone else, or you are taking someone through that book, that, that, that workbook, you will see that at one point, just in the book of Matthew, we give you 20 places where the scripture says, and in doing this, Jesus fulfilled all that the prophets spoke about him. It's repeated dozens of times in the gospels. Now we come to the Letter to the Hebrews, of course, this is a letter to Jewish believers. But I want you to notice, we have chapter, we have verse 1, verse 2, and then starting right here, all of this is a prophecy or, or uh, utterances from the Old Testament. For which of the angels did God say, this line right here is from the Psalms? We're going to be talking about that. Josh will be ministering on that in the next few weeks. Go on to the next one. 
And again, now we're just, listen, we're just going one, one verse at a time. We've got this, and then this is straight from the Old Testament. We've got seven, and this is straight from the Old Testament. we got eight. This all is directly from the Old Testament. We have ten, and this all is directly from the Old Testament. Go on down now. Let's go to the next one. Again, set them right hand, right from the book of Psalms. And then all this wording here, and then from the, the, uh, uh, the Psalms. Go to the next one. We have all these words written here. Then Old Testament, and again, Old Testament, and again, Old Testament. These are all direct quotes, and they are all being applied to Jesus and his people. In one way or another, they are all referring to the work of Christ. We have chapter 3, and then all of this is quoted from the Old Testament. Go on down a little bit further. That Old Testament, then he writes these things here. Now we're in chapter 4. Old Testament, go to the next one. Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament. Go on to the next one. Old Testament, Old Testament. Go to the next one. Uh, and that's the end of it. Or is it? It's not, is it? Do we have another one? Uh, I am so confused. Oh, gosh, yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Please, could you go back and while you're doing it, forgive me? That's good. All right, I'm sorry. Yeah, we jumped into Hebrews chapter 1. My fault, not hers. Uh, all right, so he writes this here, Old Testament. Go, now go to the next one. And then he, he's going to end the 8th chapter. All of this, all of this is word for word out of Jeremiah. All of it, word for word out of Jeremiah. Now go to the next one. And this is the way it ends, the last verse in that chapter 8 of Hebrews. By calling the new covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete in aging will soon disappear. Less than five years after this letter to the Hebrews was written, Titus and 60,000 Roman soldiers surrounded Jerusalem in 68 A.D., starved tens of thousands of them for lack of food. Finally, in 70 A.D., two years, they breached the wall. They ended up utterly destroying the city, stealing all the silver and gold and, and jewels and all that out of the temple, and then leveling it to fulfill what Jesus said before he died, pointed to the temple and said, I want you to understand that you will be here, you will be alive to see that not one stone will be left standing on another. Now, that's just the book of Hebrews. All of those quotes are just the book of Hebrews. We could do the same thing in a variety of other books. Now, why is it important that we learn how to understand the Old Testament and to apply it? One of the reasons is because it's the living Word of God. Another reason is because all the apostles quote from the Old Testament and call them the Holy Scriptures. God is communicating to us. But for us to understand the Old Testament and the New, we must deal with the issue of context. We must deal with the issue of who wrote it and to whom did they write it. Because who they wrote it to and under what circumstances either gives us wide latitude to interpret it 
or very, very specific latitude to interpret it. And I confess to you that we preachers and teachers do not always act out of the best motives. I mean, you know, I do now, but earlier I didn't. But <laughs> I want to show you what I'm talking about. All right, let's go to this uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Yes, 1 Corinthians. Yes. All right. Look at what Paul says here. My mind is running in so many directions right now. Just usually it's not hardly working at all, but now it's overworking. All right. So Paul writes here and he says, So the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So Paul says it is completely right and appropriate for those people who dedicate their whole life to, to ministering the gospel. It's entirely appropriate for offerings and gifts, whatever, to be given so that that person can keep doing that. However, in 2 Corinthians 2.17, he says, unlike so many, we do not peddle the word of God for profit. On the contrary, in Christ, we speak before God with sincerity like men sent from God. Peddling the word or making merchandise out of the word of God, we peddle, when we peddle the word of God, it is so we get some profit. And we can see it all around us today in a variety of places. And it's disturbing. It's painful. It's embarrassing. But you and I can be safe from it if we will learn how to read the Old Testament with new covenant eyes. Let me show you some examples of what I'm talking, uh, what I'm talking about. Go to uh, um, slide uh, or uh, Zechariah, Zechariah 4. All right, now this is a word from God that Zechariah prophesied to Zerubbabel when they had returned during Nehemiah and uh, uh, Ezra's day to rebuild the temple. That was the temple a few hundred years later that, that, that Rome destroyed. So the prophet comes and says, this is the word of the Lord uh, to Zerubbabel saying, not by might, how many have heard this before, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, in other words, he's saying to the king, you cannot do this job by your strength. You must depend on my strength, both to protect you, empower you, and bring the supplies that are necessary to do this. So it's not by your might, not by your power, but my spirit will accomplish this. What are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become a plain, and he will bring forth the top stone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Now, I'm flipping through the channels uh, overseas in a hotel waiting to be picked up uh, and driven to the to the meeting that I'm speaking at. And I come across a, a Christian American Christian TV channel. Won't mention which one. I don't watch very much Christian TV. I don't know that that's good nor bad. But uh, there's just a few people that I might really feel like I could trust what they say. And then there are the rest of them. Uh, <clears throat> but I'm flipping through and I see a pretty well-known American minister. And this is what they're saying. They read, that, they read that passage. And then they said, Thus saith the Lord, Just as the Spirit of God knocked down all of Zerubbabel's uh, obstacles, God is going to knock down all the obstacles in your life. And here's how he's going to do it. You see how that verse ends with grace and again with grace. Well, the word grace has five letters in it. 
And the other word, grace, has five letters. So I tell you on the authority of God's word, mail us a check for $55. And all your enemies will be defeated. Let's go to the next one. First Chronicles 22.9. Context. David, king, now coming into old age. He wanted to build a temple. God told him that he was a man of war, but that through his warring and fighting, he had brought, he had brought peace, and his son Solomon was to soon to become king. So he's saying to Solomon, the materials that I have gathered together, you take those materials when I'm gone, and you build the temple, a house on the earth for the Lord. Now, the, the prophet is speaking here to David. And the prophet says to David, but you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. This was sent out by a highly, very well-known ministry in the United States just a few weeks ago. It went around in mail and on email and Twitter and all that other kind of stuff. And the person who put it out said... I am telling you based on the promise of God. Well, let's go to that. I think I have the quote right here. Yes. Send in your love offering of $229. And on the authority of God's holy word, I declare to you that you will see all your enemies defeated and you will have rest and peace in every area of your life. Now, where did the $229 come from? First Chronicles 22, 9, 2, Two nine. Send them $229 and God will defeat all of your enemies and you will be surrounded with rest and peace in every area of your life. But it didn't stop there. The word from God went on. If you can't send in $229 this month, then give a free will offering of $31. Where do we get that? 22 plus 9 makes 31 and i declare to you that you will begin to see if you won't get it all because you didn't give enough but you will begin to see victory before the year is over the 229 promise is you'll see it now this month the 31 dollars is you're going to begin to see it sometime this year and tens of thousands of people swallow this hogwash day after day after day and these people get rich and then people feel hurt, condemned, or maybe just mad at God because they thought they were obeying the person of God. And in fact, in fact during this, this statement, when it was originally spoken and written out in an email, it actually ended with, believe the words of the prophet and you shall prosper. <laughs> so on your way out, we're fully expecting you to go to the giving stations with $229. All right. <clears throat> terrible. It is terrible. But it's because we do not understand the word of God. Take us to the, uh, uh, the, uh, um, the bumper sticker. You may have remembered this back in 08. There was a bumper sticker that sold uh, huge all over the country. And uh, the bumper sticker said, pray for President Obama, Psalms 
1098. And the writer uh, who sent this out an email to sell these things said, I have finally found a biblical way that I can pray for Obama. And that verse, Psalm 1098, says, let his days be few and let another take his office. Now, they were, they were not joking when they put this out. They were not joking. You know, they didn't have to go back to Psalms. They could have read Paul when he said, pray for all the kings and all those who are in authority that we may be able to live a peaceable life and spread the gospel. The next verse is, and let his children be fatherless and his wife be a widow. As Christians, you can't help but keep people from seeing what we're really asking is, God, kill that man. And yet in the new covenant, Jesus said, love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Love those who want to kill you. Love them. Well, I can't do that. Yeah, but Christ in you can do that through you. It'll feel like you're doing it when you yield to the presence of the Spirit in your life. And it doesn't matter whether you have a D by your name or an R by your name or an L for Libertarian or C for Communist or G for Green Party. And oh, gosh, I could keep going, my Lord. Doesn't make any difference. This is more than sad. There's an immoral aspect to this. But it comes from twisting the word of God, especially the Old Testament. So easy to do this in the Old Testament. The law said, do not murder. And the way you deal justice is an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. That was in the law. But in the new covenant, we're talking totally different stuff here. And we have to be able to see that so that when we read the Old Testament, we filter it. Now, let's talk about some of these shadows because it was so important to Jesus uh, about all the shadows here. Look at Luke 24. Let's have that one. Luke 24. All right. He said to them, oh, by the way, now, context. This is after he rose from the grave, but he has not yet gone back to the Father. In that 40-day period of time, Luke recorded him saying this to them. And he said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. One of the reasons we're going through the Psalms from here on out is because it is the most frequently quoted book in the New Testament. Because David had an understanding that was not common to Old Covenant people. And much of what he said was actually prophetic, bringing us to the new covenant. All right, give me the chosen people, holy nation, and royal priesthood. These things are in the Old Testament. Several places. I only picked one. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Now, if you will obey me, this is Israel. They've come through the Red Sea. They're in to the land of Canaan. Or, or they're into the wilderness, uh, marching around in the wilderness. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, by the way, to obey him fully means that when you don't make the appropriate sacrifice by faith and it's forgiven. That's also in the law. See, we tend to think of the law as, oh, man, it's just demanding, 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 but it doesn't give me any power to do it. That's true. But what it did do as part of the law was guarantee you forgiveness 
If when you made the offering, you made it in faith and the seed who was coming is will be salvation to you too. all Old Testament people who died in faith. We will see them all again. Then out of all the nations, you will be and look at these highlighted words, my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. By the way, the next time someone sincerely tells you that Adam surrendered ownership and dominion over the earth to the devil and that we're trying to take it back from the devil as we enforce the kingdom. The opposite is actually the biblical truth over and over and over again. The word of God says the whole earth is mine. David writes in the Psalms, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness therein. Moses told Pharaoh, when I walk away from you, you're going to see the death angel come over Israel and you will then know that our God owns the whole earth. While you will be for me a kingdom or you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, do you see Exodus? This is speaking about genetic Jews, Jews as a race of people that descended from Jacob and his 12 sons. That's Old Testament. Now go to the next passage. Uh, uh, the first Peter. Peter is a Jew. Peter grew up in synagogue and close enough uh, to Jew Jerusalem that he could go to tabernacle or uh, he could go to the temple with regularity. Peter is now writing a letter to Gentile Christians living in and around Rome. And look what he does. He all that in the yellow is quoted directly from what we just read and a half a dozen other places in Deuteronomy and, and uh, uh, Isaiah and one other place. I can't remember where you can look them up in your concordance. But but these those adjectives or descriptions or labels, all of these were put on Israel in the old covenant. Peter could have been stoned to death for blasphemy. I, I don't have the vocabulary to make it plain that what Peter did in taking these verses out of the Old Testament and saying they applied to Gentile Christians was such a, a, a detestable act. This is why they stoned Stephen. Not just because he said, Christ is the Messiah, but because he, like all the other apostles, included the Gentiles. This was a stonable offense. But he says this to you and me in the new covenant. We who believe we are a chosen race. Race here has nothing to do with your genetics, has nothing to do with your DNA. And thank God it doesn't, because we have got a big hodgepodge in this room right now. And if God was interested in genetic race, a whole lot of us in this room would be without hope. I like matzo balls. Let me tell you something. I'm an American Indian. I'm not Jewish. Although if I became a Mormon, I could say I was Jewish because they believe the American Indians are the lost tribes of Israel. Anyway, all right. Well, he read that with those funny glasses that he found and then which disappeared later so nobody else could see him but peter chooses to quote all of these verses we believing gentiles also jews if they believe if they believe if they believe 
We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. We who were not a people, Gentiles, are now the people of God. You who had not received mercy, Gentiles, but now you have received mercy. Every yellow word is directly quoted by Peter from the Old Testament, but it is applied to us in the New Testament. And let me say very clearly, Peter was not anti-Semitic. He was not anti-Jew. He was a Jew. Paul was not anti-Semitic. He was a Jew. God is not anti-Semitic, and neither am I. But when we talk like this, I know some people get nervous, and I, I, I can appreciate maybe why. Uh, but just, you know, just you don't have to agree with me. Just don't hurt me when the meeting is over. Uh, I mean, unless you really truly do believe in the law, then you can stone me, and uh, all I can say is, I'll make it to heaven before you, and you ain't even going to get to go. All right, now, let's move. I'm joking, I, which I should not be. I'm using up my time. Put up Romans 9 real fast. Wait, I'm just going to read the first part of it just so we can see. Let's listen to Paul talk. This is the way I want to feel. In the presence of Christ, I speak utter truthfulness. I do not lie. And my conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm that what I'm saying is true. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. My Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. They are the people of Israel, chosen to be God's special children. God revealed his glory to them. He made the covenants with him. He gave his law to them. They have the privilege of worshiping him and receiving his wonderful promises. Go to the next one. We got to read it. I'm sorry. And their ancestors were great people of God. Christ himself was a Jew as far as his human nature. He alone is God, rules over everything. Six. Well, then, has God failed to fulfill his promise to the Jews? No, for not everyone born into the Jewish family is truly a Jew. Just the fact that they are descendants of Abraham doesn't make them truly Abraham's scripture. Why not? Because the scripture says Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, though Abraham had other children, too. This means that Abraham's physical descendants are not necessarily children of God. It is the children of the promise who are considered to be Abraham's children. Now, Paul understood that there was no longer any barrier in God's viewpoint or his mind between Jew and Gentile. All have to come to there is no other name under heaven by which one can be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you can just keep going on and on and on and on. And we're going to send you out materials that will talk about the manna, the temple, the tabernacle, the priest, the high priest, all that. Let's go to the Day of Atonement, Passover, and Spotless Lamb. This is probably the biggest feast uh, that we have to look at. John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Then Paul writes later and he says, for Christ, our Passover Lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with the old yeast. The yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. Now, we know that when he says keep the feast, that he's talking about a metaphor that should go on in our life. We know that because he keeps right on talking about something called the bread of sincerity and truth. Where do you get that at the grocery store? Well, you don't. But he's using bread as a metaphor to the life-sustaining spirit of Christ who has been our Passover lamb. Now, this is where this is this is where we're going to stop. There's a whole lot more and uh, 
And we will be sending that out to you um, in, in smaller chunks, I think. But I want to end by talking about two women, two sons, two covenants. Galatians 4. This can be a very difficult passage, and I just want you to know that however you feel about today's Jews is, is fine. H- however you feel God has spoken to your heart, um, that, that's, that's fine. And we must never find ourselves acting in contradiction to what we clearly see is the Word of God. This is a dilemma for us, especially right now in human history. My heart breaks, I'm sure, just like yours does when I see a couple thousand rockets shot into the most highly populated areas in Israel. But I have to be honest with you because Josh told me that I couldn't lie. I have to be honest with you and say... If Mexico was lobbing 2,000 missiles into Honduras, I'd feel the same way. The slaughter of innocents. The destruction of people one other group hates. The Tutus, or the Hittus and the Tutsis in, in Rwanda for two years tried to slaughter each other and wipe the entire race out. My heart grieves for them just as I'm grieving for Israel's being attacked now. It's not because I believe there's some overriding spiritual issue. It's because, number one, they're human beings. Number two, they are the ancestors of our own patriarchs. And number three... It's just a smart geopolitical thing for our country to do to support the only ally we have in any way in that part of the world. We ought to do it for that reason, if no other. And I think we should do that without trying to pull out Bible verses. Somehow we have to come to grips with the way God sees all of this. Now. Galatians 4, let's read it and then make a couple of comments and then I'm going to send you home with some food to chew on. And I would love to hear your thoughts in email. Although my wife usually opens my email, so make sure that your language is not too bad. Although knowing Linda, she may use that language in a response to you depending on what you write. All right, I'm sorry, she's not here. Please don't tell her. Oh, no. It's going to be in the podcast tonight. Tron, don't do this to me, man. All right. Okay, Jesus. I love my wife. Lord, I do. I do. I do. I'm getting jewelry tomorrow. All right. All right. All right. All right. Two women, two sons, two covenants. Galatians 4. Tell me you want to be under the law. Are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman, the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born in the ordinary way. But his son by the free woman was born as the result of a promise. Now listen, these things may be taken figuratively for the women represent two covenants. Two women, two covenants. 
But notice which one he calls old and which one he calls new. One covenant is from Mount Sinai. Moses up on the mountain getting the laws. And bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Wait a minute. If this is the group of people with Moses when he went up on Mount Sinai and got the law, and Paul is saying their descendants are Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. I didn't write this. Who, in Paul's mind, correlates to, in his day, the present city of Jerusalem? Yeah, but figuratively, who does he say they are? He says they're the children of Hagar. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad, O barren, Old Testament quote now, I think from Isaiah. Be glad, O barren woman who bears no children, break forth and cry aloud, you who have no labor pains, because more are the children of the desolate woman, Gentiles, than of her who has a husband, Jews. Now you, brothers, this is to the Galatians, the church in Galatia was overwhelmingly made up of what? Gentiles. And he ends this by saying, now you, brothers, like Isaac are children of promise. Listen, I can't figure all of this stuff out. I feel confident that I'm figuring out as much as God knows I need to know, and the Holy Spirit's a good teacher. But I do believe that if we are going to experience the life they experience with confidence unwavering, peace never-ending, joy always bubbling up we're going to have to believe what they believe they believe that the kingdom was not the geography but the kingdom of god jesus said is in you righteousness peace and joy produced by the holy spirit who's living in us god is not interested in taking all of us born agains and one day crowding us into a little sliver of land on the edge of the Mediterranean Sea. Because the meek will not inherit the promised land. They will inherit the earth. Paradise lost will be paradise restored. The whole earth is the Lord's. And he's going to put you and I in charge of governing how all that's going to work out, we don't know, but we know it's a fact because the Bible plainly says it. It just doesn't give us much detail. Now, the good news is that in the new covenant, we all become infectious. We become infectious with the new covenant because Christ in us is reaching out through us with the message of the gospel. Stand together with me, will you? Paul said that he grieved so much over his own people that if somehow 
he could obtain their salvation. He would have the same mind that Jesus had. He would have been willing to die. He was certainly not anti-Semitic. But he was pro-people of God. And the people of God are made up of any and all who have put their faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and profess with their mouth, you are my Lord. If you're here this morning and you've not done that, you've, you've not turned your life over to his lordship, there would be no better time than right now. So we're going to have some friends who are coming up to the front here. And they'll remain here for a while when we dismiss. I want to encourage you, if you've not made the choice for Jesus to be Lord of your life, now's the time to come up, talk to somebody, let them pray with you. And if that's your heart, we can say to you, not only are your sins forgiven, but the Spirit of Christ is coming to live inside of you and live through you, and you've just started the most amazing journey in all of humanity. If you're sick and you need prayer, come. They're prepared for that. If you've got a crisis in your life, if something's fallen apart, come on up to our friends here. They know what they're doing. Let them pray for you and see what God might do for you this week. For all of us, we are an infectious people because the grace of God spreads when we talk to other people about Him. Be infectious this week. Talk about Him and see what might happen. Father, we thank You. As always, You are the forever faithful God. And we will watch for Your faithfulness throughout the week to come. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 Listen, make sure if you have not downloaded the uh, Abbott Loop app on your smartphone, please do that and check it on a regular basis. You can go to the website for announcements. But, uh, you know, you want to be involved in stuff, you got to go to do that and, uh, and get hooked up. Join us on this new covenant journey at markdrake.org. 